Welcome to the Batman Tasticast, celebrating the 30th anniversary of the greatest animated television series of all time, Batman the Animated Series. Our podcast offers a deep dive into each episode and a full series retrospective from two nerds who really like Batman. Seated across from me is the one of the two of us who is always on time, because it's not me, Mike Staub. And sitting across from me is someone who uh, is guess, never, never on time. Uh, he's not here yet. Uh, I've got to wait a few minutes. <laughs> uh, I just got the text. He'll be here in 10. Oh, yes. right, I was half an hour late for today's recording, which is pretty good for me, actually. actually you know what, though? I will say this much about you. Knowing you all these years... Uh, it's um, it's a consistent late. It's consistent. It's, like, uh, it's always going to yes. be a half hour. Right, right. You know, you have a little extra time to take yeah. a shower. Yeah. You know, like, tidy up, eat a quick dinner. I understand. Do some macrame. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a little macrame. A little macrame. Macrame is nice. Yes. So it's also one of those things where um, I realized that as someone who is very on time, <laughs> you are very punctual. Very punctual. I don't. I try not to show up early. I try to show up on time, but I also realize that. That's a problem, too, because most people assume that everyone is going to be 15 minutes late minimum. Sure. So I know that me being on time is throws people off. So I usually <laughs> am told 15 minutes later that I need to be there or I need to just learn to leave 15 minutes later. I love that there's also been like a dozen times that like you've been at my apartment to meet me for plans before I've even gotten there. I'm late for my own home. Yes. Which is hilarious. There was there was a, there was a handful of times where uh, I, we were playing Dungeons and Dragons because that's something we do. Uh, people out there oh, in the we've internet. We've been exposed. Oh man! I, hopefully they're surprised. They're not where surprised. Jordan has texted me and said, "Hey, uh, I'm going to be late, so just uh, go up into my apartment. It's open, and just set everything up." I'm like, all right, <laughs> yeah. all right, enjoy. Yeah, just make sure. Mikasa is Sukasa. <laughs> and uh, for other quotes uh, from the. Uh, classic American film, Wild Wild West. Mi casa es su casa. That's a different podcast. That's uh, Wild oh, Wild West cast, cast. Yeah. needs to happen. Yeah. Imagine Wild Wild West reboot with Adam West in it. I wonder... Wait, stop, stop, stop. Before we get to Adam West. Could we get a whole podcast out of the movie Wild Wild West? One episode of a podcast. Just one episode. I think one episode to cover the movie. Unless we wanted to do a series about the making of Wild Wild West. I don't know how many people are interested in that. Oh, I think people... There's people that get down. That's a niche of a niche. there's a bunch of blank check episodes. They've got a lot of listeners. I don't think they did Wild Wild West. Of course not, but like... They did Monkey Bone. They did do Monkey Bone. That's a damn good episode of that podcast. Yeah, it's a great Dude, episode. That's Justin McElroy's yeah, on that yeah, podcast. Yeah, I know. Podcast I know. legend it's, Justin McElroy. It's, it's like they got all the podcast royalty I, together. When are we going to get a McElroy on here? We need to be on... No. Before that happens, we need to be on one of those podcasts. They need to do a Batman episode on... Right, right. Okay. On, uh, I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, we're talking about other podcasts. Well, hang on. So Adam West in Wild Wild West as who? Jim West? No, probably so not. So Adam West as Jim West in Wild Wild West. Yeah, that'd be great. Would it? In the 70s. In the, in the 70s. Uh, I think he's more of the Artemis type, right? Yeah, the, probably. The Kevin Kline role. Probably, yeah. I don't really know the old TV show like at all. Either do I. Yeah. I know the movie. I only know the film, which is... It's like one of those movies that like I knew it was bad when it was out, but I didn't care because yeah. I thought it was like fabulously bad. Yeah. But I don't think it was made to be fabulously no, 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 bad. No. I think it was made to be good. I think they were trying to make a good movie and they were trying to pretty much... Well, they did not. No, they didn't. They made a terrible movie... And I think they were trying to like capitalize on the fame of Will Smith and yes. uh, like Postmen in Black. Well, sure. well, that was a time where it was like if Will Smith was in the movie, it was a hit. Yeah. Like no matter yeah. what. But Wild Wild West was one of the first ones where it was like, I don't care that Will Smith is in it. This movie's bad. 
Listen, it's got Salma Hayek. It's got... Uh, I want to be clear. I love the movie. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it's yeah, terrible. Yeah. yeah. It's got um, Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> it does. Yeah. I he's mean, great. It's Bra- a... Listen, Branagh's the only one who knows what film he's in. Yes. I'll say that. Yes. Uh, anyway, you're listening to Wild Wild West I would cast. say that was a Wild Wild West. A wow <laughs> Boy. So the VH... I used to post on Facebook every year. <laughs> I would post the VHS jacket of Wild Wild West, and it ended with... I, whatever the sentence was a ridiculous sentence ended with makes this film a wow wow west <laughs> you know what I'm, I'm gonna post that again tonight I'm overdue the second we finish recording tonight I'm gonna post the VHS jacket from wild wild west it makes me very happy please right. do it, it all right let's let's too. let's talk about Batman anyway yes uh tonight we are discussing uh wild wild no tonight we're discussing um <laughs> what the fuck are we discussing, Mike? Um, today we're discussing. <laughs> you got me all in Wild Wild West territory. First of all, we're saying tonight. This, these episodes air on Monday mornings, so uh, we're already not. We're not. Today doing the, we are discussing. Today we're discussing uh, broadcast order uh, number fourteen, but produ- production order number twenty-five. Batman the animated series episode. The Clock. The King. Clock. King. This is the Clock. Who would have really helped during the Wild Wild West? I think because time was so important. He would have helped. I. He's an interesting villain. Yeah, this is a this is a, another complete recreation of a villain. So yes, I did uh, thorough research as usual, which is to say, I glanced at Wikipedia. Yeah, that's what we all did. <laughs> Correct. And so I was like, okay, is the Clock King like a Harley? Is he someone they just created for the animated series? I could not be more wrong. Yeah. Right. He's been around forever, but like he's one of those DC characters who's like, forgive me, folks who are fans of the Clock King. I do like Clock King. He's like been like a bargain bin yeah. villain, which was like, oh, we need a villain for such and such or so and so, like basically any hero. And like, yeah, throw in the Clock King. But it's not like Temple Fugit. It's no. not like the version we get really in Batman the Animated Series. The original Clock King is like many Batman villains, like Mad Hatter and you know those folks. He is themed to his name. Yeah. So it was always like clock-related crimes. Yeah, yeah. And like clock bombs. Would you say like, time crime? <laughs> time crime. Yeah, definitely. He's a he's a time criminal committing <laughs> time crime. Um, so he's with a real name of William Tuckman. Oh, William Tuckman. And with a name like William Tuckman, you know you're going to become, of course, the and, clock. And he looks really stupid. Yeah. So, you know, the, he, the original version of him looks nothing like himself. But then, like, this was a character who, through the years, they would keep reinventing. Because I, I guess no one was the biggest fan of the Clock King, so they just kept kind of changing what he looked like. Yeah. So by the time we get around to Batman the Animated Series and we get to Temple Fugit, I think the Temple Fugit version of the Clock King has appeared in comics, but maybe not exactly like this. So this is a partial reinvention, but not in the same way that like they rehabilitated the image of Mr. Freeze or yeah. something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. This is just a- another version of a character who's already had many. I was even looking at like the New 52. Yeah. There were like a whole bunch of different Clock Kings mm-hmm. just in New 52. Yeah. Um, and there was an updated version where like one was like a uh, African-American crime boss uh, who owned a-, a place called the Midnight Club, which oh, that's kind of pretty cool. cool. That's kind of cool. Um, and then there was another one who's more like Temple Fugit, but more like the later version of Temple Fugit who can like manipulate time yeah so we need to clear that up this is not the episode where this dude can stop and manipulate time this is just a guy who's obsessed with time yeah so in the series you're right there are two clock king episodes there's this one um which is just titled the clock king and then there's the later one which is in season two which is called time out of joint 
And that is... It's the better episode for a lot of reasons, but I always remember how cool it was that the Clock King could stop time. Yeah, that's... But he does not do that in this episode. That's the episode that stands out more to me. I agree. It's uh, a better episode. When, when I remember the Clock King, like, I remember when we were going to cover this episode and I saw it on our list, I was like, oh, cool, this is the one where the guy can stop time. And then I'm like, oh, wait, no, this is the first episode. So this is kind of like the Scarecrow. Yes. Where we're getting an introduction to this character, but he doesn't... He's not where he ultimately ends up no it's the less powerful version of the character for sure because really he doesn't have well arguably he does not have superpowers in this episode no and also this is a little uncharitable he has a a totally ridiculous origin oh yeah oh yeah Uh, but i think in a funny way oh i think so i think purposely funny i think so because well we'll get into this when we go through like the plot of the episode but like there are plenty of revenge-based characters yeah. in the rogues gallery, mm-hmm. right? Scarecrow is, in his first caper, he's out for revenge yeah. against the university that, mm-hmm. that fired him. Um, you know, Two-Face, he's out for revenge against Rupert Thorne for scarring him and ruining his life. Yeah. Um, Mr. Freeze, yep. m- maybe the greatest cause for revenge of all time. Yeah. But the Clock King just got some bad advice for a guy, from a guy he took the train with sometimes. Yeah. And like yeah. was late to court, which was his own fault. Yeah. Like it's not, it's totally ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous that that drives him to crime. Right. Uh, but he did lose $20 million or something like well, that. Well, yeah, it was a $20 million suit, which I guess ruined his company, which like, man, he must be running a hell yeah. of a watch company if he's yeah. making like $20 million in think. like 1950 or whatever this is supposed to I be. I mean, Swiss watches. Maybe he's maybe he's Swiss. I don't think he's Swiss. No, he's definitely not Swiss. I don't know what he is. Um, but yeah, no, the Clock King, he's an interesting guy. Um, he's per- played by Alan Rackins as the Clock King. Rackins, yeah. Is so- it Ratchins? I, it's spelled Ratchins, but I think it's Alan Rackins. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and most people know this guy as Douglas Brackman from L.A. Law, which is like a, yeah. a TV show that was very popular yeah. back when. Um, though most of our listeners, the Batman Tasticast listeners, know this guy as a voice actor because he is also the voice of Norman Osborn on the Spectacular Spider-Man animated series. Which I would argue is the best Spider-Man animated series. I, I know that people would agree with you, but actually I know Alan Rackins for a different reason. Yeah. <laughs> Because I'm a huge fan of the movie Showgirls. <laughs> Speaking of best bad movies of all time, this one definitely, I think, takes it from Wild Wild West. He is the mean director-choreographer from Showgirls. Well, there you go. All right. Well, I'm just saying. He plays an efficiency expert in both of those properties. Well, there you go. At least, right? he's, he's, at least he strives to be efficient. That's right. Um, so, yeah. You know, those are my you know little bit of research on, on the Clock King and, and my thoughts on the Clock King versions and, and things like that. But I think it's so funny. That you get kind of into these sort of games of escalation with yeah. the villains on the show. It's just yeah. like, actually, you made a reference to Scarecrow in yeah. Nothing to Fear. That's a really good example of this. Yeah. Scarecrow in Nothing to Fear versus Scarecrow in Fear of Victory. Yeah. Like, there's a big jump in what the character is capable of doing. Yeah, because in in, in the first Scarecrow episode, Nothing to Fear... It's a revenge story. He's trying to take revenge on the university for firing him and all right. that and stuff. And even though there are blimps, it's pretty small. It's pretty small. And then when you get to fear of victory, he's like, I'm going to just turn Gotham City into a bunch of fear lunatics. Right. And that's 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 such an escalation in terms of power, capability. And he was doing it like Scarecrow is trying to make money to buy more chemicals to make more fear toxin. Right. And it gets a little confusing and convoluted, but ultimately his power set is similar, but it jumps. And Clock sure. King's another one who all of a sudden has these powers, which I think stopping time is like an incredibly um, 
powerful power. I agree. The I actually to stop I think freeze time. I think it's the greatest escalation game in yeah, Batman. I think so. Is Clock King. Oh uh, yeah. Starting off as a guy who just like has clock themed stuff. Yeah. To being able to freeze time. Yeah, I know. It's Come insane. On. That's that's like Omega level mutant powers. Like not even like right. Not even the and most of the X Men can't do something like that. The closest right. you can get is Professor X can make you think time has stopped. Right. Um. You know, it's it's tricky to make the character special. I think one of the reasons I appreciate the freeze time versions of the character is because without the ability to freeze time and just having like the clock themed gadgetry or whatever yeah. you want to call it, between his manner of dress and his personality. He kind of just comes off as like budget Riddler. Yeah. Yeah. So he's basically like a bad version yeah. of the Riddler. Yeah, and even and, down to his outfit. Yes. So and and of course we all much prefer the Riddler. Of course. But when you get into time manipulation, now this is ooh, Clock King is kind of his own character. Yeah. And that's really cool. Very but cool. because of his precision, attention to detail, intelligence, things like that, the way he processes information. And then the outfit, yeah, he looks very, very Riddlerish. Much. He comes off as very Riddlerish in his personality and the way he commits crime. Even when Batman is stuck in the bank vault in yeah. this episode and the oxygen's being yeah. sucked out of the room with the high speed yeah. vacuum pump or whatever, yeah. that's a very Riddlerish puzzle. Oh, yeah, I think so, completely. And I think, uh, I don't know why they did that, um, but especially if they wanted to use the Riddler later, but maybe, you know, they, they want to make these villains that challenge Batman's intelligence and show us as the viewer that he's an intelligent character. For sure. That is, that does not, he's not just a beat stick. Right. Um, so there's that as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and you're quite right. I, I mean, even with the villains who are much more physical, like a, a Killer Croc, Bane, etc., yeah. they do try to give some kind of intellectual challenge yes. in the episode as well. Mm -hmm. In the same way for these brainier villains, they want a physical challenge. Of That's course. why Batman has, like, the bank vault and the clock tower fight in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Things which, like that. Which is, which is also uh, kind of ridiculous. I, I found it interesting, though, that this episode also takes place completely, aside from the very end of the episode, completely during the day. Yes. So as a show, we discussed this in the past, that as the show was drawn on black paper, what they did in these instances, and I've and I've gotten this, uh, you know, I pretty much drew this inference. I think we all did since we knew it was drawn on black paper. But I got this confirmed from me from someone who works, you know, in animation. Um, when they did a day scene in Batman the Animated Series, they would still draw the day scene on black paper. Right, so it has that like dark tint so, like, to it. Yeah, yeah, it makes even the daytime look a little dark. I think I meant to say tint, but I think I combined it with yes. the Stephen King word tinked. Tinked. Which is a thing. I don't know. I like a good Stephen King word. It darkles. Yeah. I would like a nice Stephen King Batman. <laughs> oh my God. Stephen King anything. But yeah, Stephen King Batman would be pretty cool. Yeah, like I'd get right that story. And I think probably pretty gross. Yeah. Yeah. You know who Stephen King would use? Who? Like, I think most people would be like, oh, Scarecrow, obviously. I actually think Stephen King would do a hell of a man bat. Yeah. Really, yeah, he like would. a monster. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we love man bat here. Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, yeah. Uh, let's just do a little bit of the IMDb trivia sure. before we kind of get into our episodes. So um, we should first point out what was probably obvious to some of our, our smarter listeners, but the Clock King's real identity is Temple Fugit whose name is, of course, an allusion to the Latin expression tempus fugit, which means time flies. Oh, that's fun. Um, then we have, later in the in the episode, we get the Clock King's address as 362 Brayfogle. And Norm Brayfogel was an artist that worked on Batman comic books for also a decade. So oh, nice wow. little nice. homage there. Very, very cool. And then uh, we get um, 
again, this idea that the Clock King, uh, you know, he's this efficiency expert. This is a, an identity that's been shared by multiple characters in DC Comics, whether it's Temple Fugit or William Tockman. And these were guys that often appeared as rogues of, of Green Arrow or the Suicide Squad or the Justice League. So he's not necessarily a Batman foe first and foremost. No, no. This was almost like when they were doing See No Evil and they were like, well, let's get Mirror Man yeah. in, right? They're like just kind of trying to bring in the greater DC universe into Gotham City a little bit. Well, it, it helps expand the series, too, because you can't fight the Joker every single episode. Sure. And you know what? Even with a rogues gallery as extensive as Batman has, and he might have the most extensive. Yes. It's really him and Spider-Man in yeah. comics, I think, have the best rogues. To, um, and to the point where both characters, like their rogues galleries often are borrowed by other heroes. 100%. Yeah. Well, because they're so good. Yeah. But it's kind of like, as soon as you get outside the main maybe 12 or 15 villains on either of those heroes it's like okay we've run out of good ones let's go borrow some of the better ones from other people yeah um i don't know if clock king qualifies but again i, I do like his episodes um and then uh clock king's glasses are in the design of clocks which i like i think notably they're in the design of three o'clock yeah which is a time notable for the clock king as we'll see when we get into mm -hmm. the episode mm -hmm. And then uh, IMDb Trivia mentioned this, but actually I don't remember this that much. It says, The Clock King strategy of studying Batman before engaging him directly would later be repeated in the episode Bane. I think I don't remember Bane that well, but I, I don't do think vaguely so. remember that being a thing. That okay. Bane is like quite a smart character. Yes, in the Bane is very, series. very... And in the comics as well, right? Yeah, Bane was a character where every other... They, he's definitely a smarter character in the comic books and the uh, and the cartoons than right. like the movies. The, even the, though the Nolan Bane, they let him be smart. Yeah, he was intelligent. Right, but he was more of a. Oh, you said the plumey Tom Hardy. Oh, yes, it would very be, smart. It would be very painful. For you, <laughs> for you. Um, all right. Uh, Mike, any other initial thoughts on the episode, The Clock King? I think it's a good episode. I think it's a solid, fun time. It's a, it's weird. Like, we'll get into why I think Clock King's a little weird. But uh, <laughs> all in all, I, I enjoyed watching it. I was excited to watch this one. Yeah. No, me too. I, I was excited to get back to Clock King. Again, though, I think we both made the same mistakes where we were like, oh, yeah, The Clock King. He freezes yeah. time. And then and we saw like, this episode uh, and we're like, oh, no. no this is no. This is something else. No. Um, all right, uh, we're going to launch right in. This Let's is do it. Season 1, Episode 25, The Clock King. We get our theme song and title card. Kind of a lazy title card. This yeah. is just a bunch of silver-gray clocks. I think I counted 12 or 13 of them on this kind of grayish-blackish field. Uh, we get these clear, big, bold letters outlined in white, very similar to the lettering we saw in See No Evil. They read The Clock King. We get a very fun musical theme that has clock chimes incorporated mm -hmm, into mm -hmm. it. So that was, that was cool. This episode is directed by Kevin Altieri and written by David Wise. All right. Uh, our first scene, we get these Gothamites waiting on a subway platform. Mike, you must have noticed this. This scene seems really modern. It seems very, well, very modern for when the show was coming sure, out. So the clothes sure. are kind of modern. We've got yep. graffiti on yep. the subway train. We've got train. graffiti on the subway train. It's very 1980s New York. It is. It's very 1989 Batman. It's very, you know, I always joke around about this. It's very what video games thought New York was in the 80s. Like if hey, go, there ain't, ain't no, no bat. bat. Never leave home without it. Um, it's Urban Decay. It's Urban Decay 80s, like, you know, it's like, it's weird. It's, it's like 80s Urban Decay dystopia that, like, 
never fully got to the full dystopia. You know what I mean? Like right. we never got to where a lot of the media thought it would in the eighties. Right. It's just happening now. We, <laughs> we, you're right. We live we, in a dystopia now. It's true. We don't get to see much of this in Batman, the animated series. For the most part, the parts of the city that we do see are like art deco, beautiful paradise, or I should say dark deco, beautiful paradise. Yep. When we do see the seedier areas of the city, um, it's usually like sagging brownstones, mm-hmm. like the houses in the poorer areas and things like that. Um, for the most part, we're not seeing things like graffiti. No. We're not seeing like Blade Runner. No, you know what no, I mean? no, no. We're not seeing that. Yeah, we're not seeing the underbelly of things. This is just, it just feels like, every, it feels like the Warriors, right? It feels like very... Right. 1980s New York City. Um, I, I put on our notes Final Fight. If the, those of you who right. played the video game Final Fight, um, that's what it feels like. Yeah, no, totally. Um, so we get this man that steps in, and this is, of course, Temple Fugit, and he is just such a contrast to everyone around him. Everyone's wearing slightly more modern clothes. There's graffiti on the subway. This guy is dressed in like 1930s perfection. Yeah. Perfect suit, a bowler hat, he's got a pocket watch, he's got these glasses. Just everything about him is neat and put together. He's checking his pocket watch because he notices the train is coming late. It's about time, he says. Just like um, New York City. <laughs> right. He boards the train. He sits across from who we know is Mayor Hill. Mm-hmm. But he's not Mayor Hill yet. He's he's referred to, I think, as Counselor Hill. Yeah, he's just a lawyer, I gather, at this right. time. Um, and uh, Temple Fuga talks to him and, and Mayor Hill or sorry I should just say Hill yeah Hill like barely remembers this yep. guy uh, even yeah. though they've been taking the train together for according to Fugit one year seven months and 13 days yeah it's a little a little much yes probably tone, to, it, tone it down a little he should tone it down according to this like very expensive looking watch that Fugit has um, and Hill, to his credit, he suddenly recalls, oh, right, yes, the efficiency expert. Uh, <laughs> Hill is not really nah, interested in this guy. Once, once again, he's like reading his paper. Once again, Hill just is, he's the worst. Yeah, well, but also like, this Fug- guy, Fugit sucks too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, if you're yeah. Hill, yeah, this guy's weird. I'm going to read my yeah, paper. Yeah, I'm going to read my paper. Please leave me alone. Yeah, like if a guy sat across me like, I know how many days we've taken the train together. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably leave. Yeah, that's that's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, they get into a conversation. You know, Fugit mentions he has that important court appointment that day. He is appealing a, this number is shocking, a $20 million judgment against his company. Yeah, that's a lot. It's like, what does your company do? Yeah, I know. What watch company was worth $20 million? Other than Rolex, I don't know. I don't, maybe I don't know. I, get, I, I, in fact, do not know much about timepieces and jewelry. Yeah. I didn't feel like there could be a company worth this much doing that. I feel like, well, I think a Rolex is like, like a Rolex watch, like but like new, back then. Well, I don't know about back. Well, maybe back then. I know today. I I think a new Rolex watch today is like ten thousand dollars or more. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is true. I guess if he makes luxury watches, maybe twenty million dollars would have been appropriate. I yeah. don't know. It just seemed like a lot to me. Especially if you know it's a mechanical thing. Watch. I never understood why watches are so expensive. I never well, understood it's, it's it. A, it's like cars. It's a status it's thing. It's a status you know? thing. But on top of that, I think it's also it's a mechanical thing just like cars, right? Um, it is. I mean, look, let's let's just say it. There's nothing you could do to a watch to make it worth, I don't know, $50,000. No. Right? Unless you, you can, cover it in diamonds. Well, and some people do. Yeah. But even the ones that are worth fifty grand are not covered in diamonds. No, 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 no. It no. is just, it is that name brand yep. with that yep. material yep. and that look. Um, 
I mean, listen, we can go to the Roosevelt Field Mall yeah. tomorrow yeah. and easily find a watch for thirty grand. Yeah, easily. In that dipl- easily. display case, you know. But I have an Apple Watch, which was like three hundred dollars, <laughs> which which seems expensive for a watch, but it's you not know, that I've expensive. Never own- Are you happy with your Apple Watch? Yes, yeah. I've never owned it. What it is every- the advantage? I use of it, it every day. We're gonna try to sell the listener on the. So Apple Watch. not only does it give me all my notifications, Do you really use it. Like, why not just use your phone? I use my watch every day. I put my, my phone in my desk, okay. and I can look at my watch when I get a notification to see if it's something I need to respond to immediately. All of us change. I'm not wearing it right now. You're not wearing a watch right now, It's charging. Mike. It's charging. Oh, okay. All right. Where the hell were we? Oh, um, yes. A $20 million judgment against um, good old Fugit's company here. He actually says, it's the end of everything. Oh, how right you are, yep. Mr. Fugit. Um Hill gives him some friendly advice, and I, I can't express enough how casual this advice is. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, whatever. Loosen up. Do something to relax before you go into court. Because Hill's Hill's belief as a lawyer, by the way, is that if uh, you know Fugit looks all tense going into court, he's going to look suspicious, basically. Yeah, exactly. Right? So he says, look, and, listen, get out of your routine. routine. What time do you usually take a, a coffee break? And, and Fugit says, like, 3 o'clock. Well, look, hey, take it at 3.15. Forget your schedule for one day. Believe me. It'll make a new man out of you, and he like yeah. he like claps Fugit on the back. And Surely does. Really nasty foreshadowing. Yeah, like it, it certainly does make a new man out of Fugit. This is bad advice. Uh, yeah, Fugit literally trembles at the thought, and uh, I just want to take note that Fugit literally has a laptop computer in this scene yep. that he's using, and uh, Hill actually closes that laptop on him, and then we're going to see technology in the episode that is just way behind the laptop. Yeah, it's all over the place. So again, I Time like it, but it is just yeah, it's it's just all over. Um, yeah, and Fugit, uh, you know, he, he's just sitting there trembling. You know, Hill has no idea he's just ruined his life. Yeah. And again, we have to stress, for really the sake of humor, Hill just thought he was given some friendly advice. This was not urgent. I it was don't like, think yeah, whatever. I don't think it's bad advice. I just think that it just ends... Well, it is on that day, right? Well, I guess, but... I guess so. But, like, at the same time, it's like, I don't think it's bad advice. I think just the, the consequences that happen because he take he changes his schedule are bad. Sure. It's just bad luck. But, like, it's not Hill's fault by any stretch. No, not at all. Um, it's like one of those situations where, like, all the things that went wrong, it's like, Hill is the least culpable for what happens. Do you know what I mean? Like, honestly, he should have gotten revenge against himself, the judge, his lawyer, the other lawyers. It's all Hill. No, it's Hill. Hill. He takes his revenge out on Hill. Right. Um, all right. Scene two, Fugit is working in his office. Um, an office clerk drops off some papers and he gets reprimanded because he's five minutes late. And, of course, Fugit knows exactly how long the copier takes to make the copies for how long this guy... Like, Fugit's a nightmare boss. So he kind of deserves what happens to him because fuck this guy. And as someone who's chronically late to work, I hate people who are time micromanagers. Just Excuse me, you are three minutes late. Well, yeah, that shit kills me. To be late is to be forgotten. Oh, good God. Um, We get a secretary named Miss Perkins who arrives with Fugit's coffee and his court documents. We get the sense that she probably does this every day at the same time. And following Hill's advice, literally hearing his words in his head, because we get the voiceover, Fugit asks Miss Perkins to put his coffee in a thermos, and her mouth goes wide with shock. (laughs) So he's going to take the advice. On the most important day of his life, he's going to go relax before the court appointment. And uh, we get now into the next scene, exterior shot of the park. It's a beautiful day. The clock here in the park reads 3.05. Birds are chirping, children are running and playing ball, and we see Fugit trying to relax, but like the body language is like yeah. he's all stiff on the bench. Yeah, he can't even relax. No. Can't relax. Um, and the kids knock their ball into him. Probably it was an accident. He curses them for brats. Yep. 
But as a result of the ball being kicked at him or whatever, his pages go flying, like his important court documents. My papers. Exactly. And the wind carries them, and they take one over to the fountain where Fugit is, like, you know, pursuing it. And then, like, a little friendly dog comes up and sniffs him, and he falls into the fountain. And despite that all these things happening are very silly, getting a ball kicked at you, your paper's blowing away, the dog sniffing him, he falls into the fountain. These things are all silly. Very sinister yep. music yep. playing underneath yep, yep, yep. because this is all bad. Yep. Um, <laughs> you know, and then we go right to, it's almost like a dream sequence. See, I thought it was. Right. When I first when I first saw this on the first rewatch. It's very exaggerated. It's, it was like, oh, oh, maybe he's dreaming. Maybe this isn't what happened. And then you're like, oh, no, that's it. Right. Yeah. The, the fourth sequence in this episode, it's the courtroom. Very dreamlike. It's shot from the back and the long aisle up to the judge's podium. And uh, we, we learn due to his failure to appear, Fugit's failure to appear, the judge rules, the summary judgment against him will stand. $20 million. And Fugit calls out, no, you can't, I'll be ruined. He pleads, but the judge reprimands him. Then perhaps this will teach you to be on time for a change. Oh, man. And Fugit's lawyer just kind of shrugs. And then this image is just burned into my brain for all these years. Fugit just screaming yeah. in wide mouth horror, like he's like some kind of surreal painting. Um, so that it's like the moment where his mind just fucking unhinges. Just I, his, his mind basically breaks in this think, moment. I don't think it would happen like this. It wouldn't happen like this, and also like it's his fault. Yeah. Not even what his company did. I just mean to say, like, all right, so some of your papers blew away. Oh, you can't get the one in the fountain? Fuck it. Yeah. Just go to court. Yeah. Don't be late for court. Yeah. If the scene seems to be telling us he's late for the court because he was chasing his papers around, that is stupid. Yeah. If you had a $20 million summary judgment coming your way, you would just go to court. Yeah. With or without your papers. Yeah. With or without your coffee. Yeah. Who and then, cares? Yeah. And then you could be like, oh, I don't have all my documents. Can we postpone? Yeah, that, or honestly, why doesn't the lawyer have the documents? It's the day of the summary judgment. This, I, this is ridiculous. This, is, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't make this sense. This children's cartoon is really not tying these strings together. Sure, and then also, you have to be a real fucking asshole judge to yeah. be like, oh, you weren't here and you were late. You know? yeah, so, uh, uh, so $20 million, you're gonna lose I'll 20... take your life away. Yeah, Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I don't know judges that well. Maybe, maybe that's maybe that's how it is. I don't know a judge. I, neither do I. I know a few lawyers. Yeah, me too. I know more than a few lawyers. Um, <laughs> all right. We get a big skip. We get a title card. It says seven years later. And uh, we don't, for yeah. the most part, we don't get title cards no. on Batman the Animated no. Series. The last time I remember we got one was Pretty Poison. Which was five years? Yes. It was five years later. It was like a very snarky title card. It was something like a, a, a newer, safer oh, Gotham yeah, or something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah, very yeah, snarky. Yeah, yeah. And I think other than that, we haven't really gotten. We get, we've gotten time jumps before, like when Two-Face yes. jumps like six months. Six months. But there was no title card. No. This, this is an official title card. Yeah. Um, yeah. Seven years later, and then another title card, 8.57 a.m. With this musical kind of tick thing going on, like a clock. Uh, all right, and then we come out of our title card with an overhead shot of Gotham. It's morning, and very notable that it's morning because, as you said earlier, um, this whole episode will take place through one day. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is the morning of that day. Uh, we pan down to bustling traffic. We close on Mayor Hill's motorcade and then the interior of his car, and he checks his watch. It's another beautiful pocket watch. We'll see many in this episode. We get an exterior shot as the traffic slows at a red light. Pedestrians are walking. We see that Alfred and Bruce are also stopped at this intersection. And we learn shortly that actually Bruce, Alfred, Mayor Hill are all heading to the same spot. It's a mm -hmm. it's a it's like a fundraiser for Mayor Hill's re-election campaign. 
Um, we get the interior shot of Bruce's car, and Alfred is lamenting that the food they serve at these fundraisers is ghastly. Um, I don't know if you paused on the paper, Mike. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. So Bruce is reading the paper. It says, Colas cat saved, and the woman on the paper looks exactly like Maven well, from the we cat all, in the claw. We all know what Maven's into. Drinking, drinking some cat pee. Yeah, that's definitely. right. Definitely cat so pee. She de- I, I, still, I still think that, that thug's reaction. That's so, that's so Maven. That's so Maven. Um, which uh, Larry Brenner, friend of the show, Larry Brenner pointed out. We we didn't get to this on the Cat McCall episode. That yeah, yeah, yeah. It was because so there was like a so this is going back to the Cat McCall folks. If you didn't hear Ugh. that episode, so as Batman has Robin, Catwoman had Raven. Yeah. So now Maven. Yeah. On the animated series, we're thinking that that's Larry Brenner, according that to friend be. of the show Larry. I, that I, might I, be how that came about. I think that sounds about right, and they probably didn't. want I think to it use, is right. Yeah, I think that sounds. Yeah, I think it is right, and I don't. Th- I think they probably didn't want to use Raven because Raven's already a DC character. By that point, yeah. As not to confuse people, because the, the Teen Titans were an '80s book. Right. So. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So by that point, uh, but I think that is supposed to be Maven on the cover of like whatever the Gotham I think Times so. there. Um, yep, so Bruce assures Alfred that Mayor Hill will put out a good spread <laughs> and makes reference to his re-election in a boring conversation. Um, suddenly, Bruce's limo and a taxi collide. Mm. And Alfred tries to take the uh, taxi driver to task, but Bruce points out that the accident's actually no one's fault. These traffic signals are malfunctioning. Uh, and you see everyone in the intersection is having trouble. Mayor Hill is flustered, and he observes all the drivers are yelling at each other. And we get this great overhead shot of all the chaos that's caused by just that one intersection's malfunctioning lights. And then we get an even higher overhead shot of the mastermind of this chaos, ah. an outfit as the one we remember belonging to Temple Fugit. It's the it's the brown suit with the brown bowler hat. Yep. Right? And now he is, of course, the Clock King. Clock King! Intense music plays as Clock King palms what I guess looks like a, a detonator, though it actually isn't a bomb, which we'll learn shortly. Uh... There's the foul up, the cab driver says down below. Uh, Mayor over the hill. Nothing works in this city no more. Oh. Ah. So this is the Clock King's plot. It's going to be like ruin Mayor Hill's re-election. Uh, Alfred says, I fear this does not bode well for his campaign. And yeah, Bruce is on to it. Uh, he raises his eyes skyward. He sees the man on the high ledge with the detonator. And then there's a blast and a crowd reaction, which we think is going to be an explosion. But actually what happens is from this tall, wide building, there unfurls this banner. It's Mayor Hill. He's been cartoonishly like turned into a devil with the slogan, Time for a Change. And everyone laughs because Mayor Hill is also there. And they're, yep. they're kind of also laughing because I think they thought it was a bomb. And this intense music builds underneath. Bruce runs for the nearest building, and I love this transition, because he runs into the building that the banner has unfurled on, and then we, as the camera, we can see the outside of the building, and as he runs up the stairs, we can see through the glass windows on the stairs, he turns into Batman. Batman, yep. Which is like a record time transition, he's, I think. You think he's, I think he's wearing the suit under the under his suit. I guess so. Uh, was it the Cat in the Claw the last time we had like a really fast transition? I might have, no, it was the bathroom in uh, See No Evil, right? Oh, it was See No Evil. Yeah, where he changes in the bathroom. Yeah, one of those. Oh, no, wait. What's the episode that has the elevator shaft in it? Oh, I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, oh, you're right, but I totally forget. Is which that is Prophecy it? of Doom? I think so. 
There's an episode where one of the listeners is yelling at us right now. There's an episode where Batman like has to get into an elevator yeah, shaft yeah, and get I up there. Yeah, I think it's Prophecy of Doom. It might be Prophecy of Doom, and Batman it becomes Batman instantly. Yeah, instantly. Like there's no changing time. Instant Batman. This is rivaling that yes. for the amount of time yes. he suddenly becomes Batman. We'll have to come up with like our own little top three list of that. Of, at bat- some point. of Batman trans 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 uh, transitions. Right. Yeah. All right, and then the next scene, Batman confronts the Clock King on the roof, um, and we see the Clock King in full. His outfit is identical to Fugit's from years prior, except he now has a sharp golden cane uh, that looks like the hand of a clock, and his eyeglass lenses are also clocks. Uh, Okay, we love a theme. Um, The Clock King instantly starts villain monologuing and deftly throws this pocket watch bomb at Batman. I'm a civic-minded citizen with a lot of time on his hands, says the Clock King. Clock King! And when Batman runs to confront him, blocking his way to the stairs, Clock King gives us the first hint that he is fucking crazy as shit. He does this backward flip off the roof, not before saying, the 9.15 is always six minutes early. And he just, like Willy Wonka style, just like flips himself off the roof. It's absurd. It's um, absurd. Yeah. Batman sees him having deftly landed on the train below, and he's like riding off, standing perfectly still. It's very eerie. And Batman's mouth widens as the music intensifies because like this guy's fucking crazy. Yeah. Well, let's let's also unpack this a little bit. Um, first of all, no train is ever six minutes early. No. Ever. In any no. city ever. Correct. Also, a train being that early is bad. Uh, well, correct, yes. yes. Well, clearly ultimately, stuff is wrong in Gotham Ultimately, City. you want the trains to be on time. You, you do. don't want them to be late. You, you don't do want not. them to be early. It's that better if they're right. a little late than if they are a little early. I though. agree. So anyway, uh, my my whole... My confusion with um, the Clock King is that seven years go by and he goes from being this, like, you know, obviously... Nerdy desk worker. Nerdy desk guy to, like, guy that can fight with Batman and do backflips. <laughs> right. Now, granted, listen... It's never too old to learn martial arts, I guess. But, like, this is a little much. He's had a lot of time on his hands, Mike. Oh, uh, well, he is the he clock king. He says that. He is the clock king. I guess, I guess he's done some stuff. I guess, yeah, I guess he's so. trained his body. Yeah, I, yeah maybe. I he's done something. Maybe. All right. Uh, exterior shot now of the Gotham Department's traffic, says the sign. Um I'm not sure if they maybe meant Gotham Traffic Department or something. There's something up with the signage in this episode. Yeah. I'm going to bring it up again in a bit. Um, Pan over to Bruce's limo with Batman's narration. Uh, If Clock King sabotaged the traffic system, he figures that he'd have to have gone there to do it. So that's where he and Alfred have headed. And actually, that becomes much of this episode is basically Batman and Alfred sleuthing around in the limo as opposed to the Batmobile. Yeah. Um, Alfred idles as the sunroof opens, which is fucking awesome. And Batman uses his grappling gun to get his way up to the fire escape. My pleasure, says Alfred <laughs> as a rat jumps onto the hood. This is one of the finest back alleys in all of Gotham. I mean, it has a, has a, has a rat in it. It's got a good rat. But this one had a live raccoon in it. <laughs> um, interior shot of Gotham Transit. Was that Zoidberg? Yeah. <laughs> It's the same shell as yesterday, but this one had a live raccoon in it. Brilliant. Dr. Uh, Zoidberg. (laughs) Interior shot of Gotham Transit. Uh, Batman walks through the machines and computers that control the city's transit system. Uh, He now puts on his infrared specs. I don't know if they're infrared specs or what. They allow him to just look at things more effectively. I'm not sure what these are called. Bat glasses? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, He finds the exploded remains of one of the machines with one of the Clock King's pocket watch bombs inside and he scans the bomb turning it over 
And we see it's like a, an expensive looking pocket watch. He actually says, what kind of saboteur uses a $6,000 Metronex to trigger a time bomb? So, so we could figure Metronex is like Rolex. Yeah, basically. Rolex is yeah. probably their, their Rolex uh, right. equivalent. And Batman would know what a Rolex is or a Metronex well, Bruce because Wayne. he is a rich man. Sure. He has expensive um, tastes. Yeah, I love this transition because the, the transition goes from him looking at the time bomb to already just being back in the car. Yep. Uh, so we transition there to Alfred. He's driving Batman away, and he's answering the question, one with too much money. <laughs> Batman uses the computer. I love that there's a computer in, in the, the back of the limo. so cool. Batman uses the computer in the back of the limo to search the serial number of the Metronex because you know, this, this tracks for me. A watch that expensive, they would have tracked oh, who they sold yeah, it to. Of course. Um, he finds the credit card number of the guy who purchased it, Temple Fugit. 362 Brayfogle's the address, so Alfred heads to that neighborhood, which is where we go in the next scene. So he drives there, and this part of the city is just demolished. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just in pieces. So whatever was prominent here years ago... Watches! Yeah, it's no longer the case. The watch watch capital of Gotham. Yeah, the, the, the watch district. Yeah. The timepiece district. Yeah. Not a thing. Um, Batman investigates the ruins at the appointed address, and we see it's... The Time All Watch Company. Again, I think something got lost in the translation of the signage. Yeah. Shouldn't it be the All Time Watch Company? I guess so. Like, that makes more sense. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. Something don't happened know. with the script and the animators. I think so. Um, Batman descends into the basement, which is pretty clearly still Clock King's lair. Like, yeah. it's an active lair. Yeah. Um, it's very tidy. It's filled with ticking clocks. And again, there's that poster of Mayor Hill on the wall that's been, like, graffitied. It's basically identical to the one we saw before. And I had to wonder, because this was so easy to find, because Clock King is so intelligent, he probably wanted Batman to find this. Probably. I think. It's If it's like a Riddler thing, right? Yes. If it's a, it's, if it's a parallel to the Riddler, that just makes the most sense. Right? It just it seems pretty deliberate. I, yeah. I'm kind of of two minds about it. Because on the one hand, you know, Batman, when he goes into the hideout here, he finds the stuff about the clock tower that he needs for later. And I imagine Fugit doesn't want him at the clock tower. So so maybe it wasn't intentional. But then also, I don't know. It just, it seems like he would have covered his tracks better than this. Maybe. But Am I, I overthinking the plot? I don't know. I think at the same time, Fugit, Fugit's really efficient when it comes to time. Right. He Maybe he's be, not thinking like yeah. a detective would think. Yeah, but the, the vault puzzle's so good. I know. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what he wants here. Batman has to get real creative. I agree. Um, so yeah, back in the car, Alfred is using the car's radio. I love this to scan the police band, which yeah, is awesome. Which is, which is something Batman would have for sure. Absolutely. Uh, and Batman is pursuing what is collected from the hideout. Uh, what is it about that clock tower? Ponders Batman as he studies the cover of an old newspaper. Um, Alfred discovers a small blackout in the city centered on Gotham Mutual Bank. Uh-oh. Uh, and the blackout, they figure, was likely to disable the time locks on the vault. Fugit, yeah. both men say in unison, and the car speeds off. We then go right there, an exterior shot of Gotham Mutual with this sort of intense music. We head inside. Guards and patrons alike are passed out as, like, we get the... Um, the stink lines from knockout gas. Got good old-fashioned stink lines. Yeah, pervading the air. Um, there's money all over the place. And Batman walks in with the gas mask. Smart. The vault door stands open with a box inside. Maybe it's a riddle or a bomb. Unfortunately, Batman takes the bait. 
as we, the audience, see a timer set for just under 15 minutes. Yeah. Then the vault door slams shut, because of course. And then the tape plays like a jigsaw type deal. And Fugit's voice apologizes for not being there in person, and he tells Batman that the box contains a high-speed vacuum pump that is sucking all the oxygen out of the room, which is fucking cool. Uh-oh. Batman's eyes go wide, and we must commend Fugit here, who actually says on tape that he knows that Bats has all kinds of gas masks, and the clock king is really precise, because he says on tape that the process will take 15 minutes, and he knows it takes 17 minutes for Batman to burn through the vault door with his his blowtorch. He knows mm-hmm. exactly the kind of blowtorch yeah. that he uses. And the pump itself is rigged with vibration-sensitive explosives, so it really feels like Clock King has thought of everything. He's thought of this in this instance on how to get Batman trapped in this trap. Right. How to trap a bat. Right. Uh, it does seem like Clock King has it all figured out, so Batman, we see him going to town like a full MacGyver. Yeah, he definitely MacGyvers the heck out of this yes, situation. Yes, with a spool of tape, the tape that the Clock King left for him to listen yeah. to. We have no idea what he's up to. No. Uh, all right, and then we kind of get this sequence now. We're going to switch back and forth between this in the vault with Batman and a rally for Mayor Hill who's mm-hmm. opening up a new train station. Oh, well, that's good. It'll be on time. So, yeah, right, exactly. We get the rally for Mayor Hill. We get the big man playing. Gordon is there. Gotham's finest is on stage. Mayor Hill's at the podium. Hill announces, and this is really not great, that we are at the site of the world's first fully automated subway line? What? That doesn't sound correct. No. So the New York New York City, at least, had the subway in 1904. Yep. It probably wasn't fully automated. No. So I guess men were running it. I don't know at what point New York City had a fully automated subway system. I mean, I don't think it does now, right? I don't think Gotham does. No. I'm not sure what they're getting at here. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know. It just seemed like, I don't know, we've got a laptop computer in this episode. They're getting excited over a new subway system. It doesn't look new. No. It doesn't look like a modern age subway system. I don't no. know. No. It's this, this is Am all... I being mean unnecessarily to no. the episode? No, I don't think so. I think it's just a silly plot device. So Mayor Hill's speech is intercut with shots of the subway switch tracks. And with a cut of the ribbon, he announces the official opening of Gotham Central Station. Uh, He checks his watch. Let the first train arrive. But he's a big doofus, and the train does not arrive. Yeah, this is uh, bad. Um, Hill starts to sweat. The crowd laughs. We go back to Batman in the vault. Um, I'm not entirely clear what he's done here. What do you think he did? Batman? Yes. Did he unspool the tape, and he created a system of pulleys? Yeah. To get the bomb over yeah. to the vault door. Yeah. And then he created sandbags of money for himself to hide behind. Yeah. That's exactly what he did. How is he getting the pulley system set up? Uh, he's Batman. How is he getting the box onto the pulley system without vibrating the box? Maybe he's very ginger about it. Couldn't... Oh, boy. I don't know. All right. Listen, it's all a stretch, but it works. <laughs> I guess it works. Also, I don't think the tape would be nearly strong enough to hold that box. Yeah, tape from like a cassette tape breaks, right. doesn't it, it? It can, just like any but other like tape. When, when if it's holding a high-speed vacuum with a bomb. Yeah, it's probably going to break. It's probably heavy. That that box is probably heavier than, than the tape can handle. I would think so. Or at least it would stretch the tape out. But hey, I listen. Know. I think we're going to have to go like rule of cool on this yeah, one. Yeah, rule of cool. I'd be like, ah, Batman, Batman. he's Batman. He's Batman. Um... <laughs> anyway, he's not doing that well. He passes out from the lack of oxygen before he actually gets the bomb to the vault door. We cut to a furious Mayor Hill yelling at his subordinates, and suddenly we get the Clock King's voice on the loudspeaker at the train station. Uh-oh. 
Time for more of the mayor's incompetence. Everyone flees as a train comes hurtling, speeding into the station, ready to crash through. We get a great shot of Hill illuminated by the speeding oncoming train as it hits. Smoke fills the screen before the commercial break. And then when we come back, we've got this flaming wreckage of the train. Uh, an officer reports to Gordon that there are only minor injuries. And I think he's saying that because it's a kid show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a train just but crashed into the station. People definitely died. Like, he couldn't run up to Gordon and be like, there's dead bodies everywhere. <laughs> Everyone's dead. I saw a woman's head and a baby's arm connected. <laughs> like, he can't say that they shit. So he has to be like, everyone's fine. Yeah, everyone was fine. Nobody died. That's, <sighs> that's Commissioner the, Gordon, thank God. We got ice cream for everyone. That's the theme on this show. The theme on this show is horrific <laughs> things happen and nobody dies. Right, horrific things happen, buildings collapse, and people are like, oh, thank sometimes, God it was totally abandoned. Sometimes the observatory is turned into a giant cannon. Observatory cannon. Oh, boy. Um, yes. So Gordon is looking for Hill, who is nowhere to be seen. Back to Batman again, totally passed out on his makeshift bag fort. Um, <laughs> he recovers long enough to batarang the bomb trap and, sure, open the vault. Uh, he is practically dead by the time that happens. Yep. So we'll, we almost score this one for the Clock King, but Batman makes it Batman out. once again finds a way to live. That's right. Uh, we get a classic uh, Summer Gleason transition where she's on TV talking about the kidnapped Mayor Hill. Um, it's the exterior of a TV shack, oh, by the wow. way. Oh, wow. Nice. And folks are gathered at the shop window to hear the story. Uh, Batman is now at a distance, and he's hearing the bell toll after hearing that uh, Mayor Hill has been kidnapped. And the bell tolling is coming from the distant clock tower. It tolls for him. So, that's right. It tolls for him. Ask not for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for Mayor Hill. Mayor Hill. Mayor Hill. Mayor Hill, who just gave some guy decent advice that went horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't even remember doing it. That's yeah, the I funny part of the, the next scene. I don't even, it's like, it's <laughs> who like, are you? You took everything from me. I don't even know who you are. Right, exactly. <laughs> for you, the day M. Bison came to your village was the greatest day of your life. For me, it, it was, was Tuesday. Tuesday. Yes. Oh, uh, Raul Julia's Raul fine, Julia. and finest performance. Badly paraphrase that line, but that's okay. Doesn't matter. Um, yes, yeah, so Batman knows this whole thing's going to go down at the clock tower, and any of us who have ever read a comic or played a game or watched a movie know that, of course, the final battle will be on the clock, clock tower. tower. Sure. Yeah, of course. All right, so we're at, uh, this scene, we're at the clock tower. A thunder rumbles as we literally see the last rays of sun leave the sky. Yep. Now, we think it could be nighttime, but actually we know for a fact it's just late afternoon mm -hmm. because the clocking is, of course, obsessed with the hours of 3 o'clock and 3.15, mm -hmm. where he considered his life was ruined. Close up on the enormous, enormous clock face, Mayor Hill is strapped to the big hand as the little hand is about to crush him exactly at 3.15. It's a classic, classic villain move. It's classic. It's very, a giant clock. It's very snidely whiplash, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah. This is, I'll get you, Penelope Pitstop. Right. This is like old crime. Is that, wait, that's not snidely whiplash, is it? Who's is he, Penelope Pitstop? Penelope Pitstop. Um, who's the guy? Dirk, Dirk Dastardly is Penelope Pitstop's villain. Wait, was that from like Wacky Races or something like that? Yes, but Penelope Pitstop had her own show. It was, it was, you better look this up or Larry Brenner's going to get us. Yeah, Larry Brenner's going to be like, I've watched all these episodes, you fools. <laughs> you fools. You fools. You don't know who Penelope Pitstop is? How do you Pitstop not know is? who Penelope Pitstop is? I have a Penelope is. Pitstop podcast. I'm going to look it up right now. Mike, we are holding for you to do this. Penelope Pitstop was a fictional character. She was from Wacky Races. There we go. And um, and her, yeah, the perils of Penelope Pitstop was a Hanna Barbera cartoon. 
um, who who uh, she was rode around with a group called the Ant Hill Mob. They're a bunch of really t- tiny mobsters. That's a cool Snid- name. Yeah, I know. Ant Hill Mob's a cool yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Snid- a good name. Snidely Whiplash was the villain on Dudley Do Dudley Do Right, uh, as performed by um, Brendan Fraser, Fraser, of course, one of our favorites. That's right. Um, who who I wish he was in a Batman property that wasn't a canceled Batgirl movie. Yeah, he was probably a good Firefly. He's, not that we'll ever see it. He's Robot Man in yeah, Doom he Patrol. He's, it's true. So that's that's cool. But no, what was Dirk Dastardly? All right, Dirk Dastardly was a fictional character. Um, wacky races. Oh, it's also Wacky Races. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's also from Wacky Races. But uh, yep, just a bunch of whole lot of wacky wacky races. I feel like uh, that would be they could have made a good game out of that, but they didn't. They need to remake Wacky Races. Yeah, bring it back. You know what? They're going to remake it. They'll put it on HBO. HBO canceled after four episodes, and then blame the fans. Can we hear this out? Hear me out. <laughs> DC did this rebrand of all the, of all like their Hanna-Barbera stuff. They did like a serious Scooby-Doo. Did they do Wacky Races? I think they did. And I think it was like Mad Max. That's good. Yeah. Wacky Races Fury Road. That's fucking good. I, I watched that. Was Ant Hill Mob in there? I don't remember. I didn't read the comics. That's a good name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, fucking race shit like that's so cool. So good. Yeah. The Damn, problem with Wacky good. Races is that each episode was the same. Yeah. Just they're racing. Yeah. Did we ever? Did someone win at the end of Wacky Races? Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure every episode there was a winner. No, they got yeah. through a whole race every episode. Yeah, I thought I'm it was sure. all still part of the same race. I thought every. You see, it's been a long time since it was a Saturday morning in 1997, and I had nothing <laughs> to better better to do with my time than to watch Wacky Races on Cartoon Network. But so um, having done zero research, I believed the whole season was just the same race. You might be right. And the race was so long that like people just like got ahead of each other, behind each other, whatever. Well, I thought it was each episode was one race. So uh, one of us is correct. Or uh, but all I know is that Speed Buggy was on it and like Jabberjaw. Oh, I remember and the characters. Was Scooby Doo on it? I don't think so. I feel like they did a cameo at they, least they with the Mystery Machine. With the Mystery Machine, maybe the Harlem Globetrotters showed up. You know? Oh, for sure. Batman. Sunny and share. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's let's get back to the episode. Sure. All right. Wacky so, race cast is next time. That's right. Um, Mayor Hill is strapped to the clock. He's gonna fucking die. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Fugit is talking to him. He's giving his villain monologue. Mayor Hill has no idea who he is. No, he has no idea. Um, Fugit is suggesting that the time three fifth time should have some significance for him. But, of course, Hill has no goddamn idea what he's talking about. Mike, this is so fucking funny. It's ridiculous. That the revenge comes to like, yep. who are you? Who are you? What is this? You ruined my life. Right? I, I don't know who you are. Eventually, Hill does figure it out. And he's like, oh, my God, right? The lawsuit. Um, we do find out that Fugit, uh, in that $20 million judgment or whatever, Mayor Hill's firm was representing the plaintiff, but not even Hill directly. And for the first time, maybe ever, I feel for Mayor Hill, who's like, I had nothing to do with no, that no, case. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And like, it's not like he ruled against him. No, it's just so ridiculous. Anyway, fucking Batman shows up finally. <laughs> and he's got the line of the episode, I'm here to clean your clock, Fugit. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I give it to him on that one. Um, And listen, listen. Temple Fugit, man of a thousand talents. He's a really good fencer, apparently, so he can use that sword cane. Um, which is and, which looks like a like an hour hand. Or yeah, whatever, the, the or big minute, hand on a clock. Hand, yeah, hand. right. Uh, he really comes close to cutting open Batman's chest, and actually, Batman ends up falling off the clock face. And then we kind of end up because Batman dives inside the clocks. So now we're in the inside, the big gears of the clock. Yeah, because of course. Yes, 
this is how the episode is going to end. It's Batman versus the Clock King amidst the gigantic inner working gears of the big clock. In a tower. clock. Right. So we're literally inside the clock. Um, so yeah, it's actually a pretty decent fight. What's funny is that even though clocking is not a physical match for Batman, it's a, it's a cool fight because they have to use the gears and things in there to their advantage. And the way Clock King stands on a gear, it lets us know two things. One, he's a fucking creep because he never moves when yeah. he's on the yeah, gear yeah, yeah, yeah. or anything he like just that. He just stands perfectly spill, still. Um, actually, do you know who he reminds me of a little? The, um... Gosh, it's a f- the famous painting, the apple in front of the man's yeah, yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Wasn't that wasn't that fe- uh, wasn't that featured uh, prominently in the film, the, the Thomas, Thomas Crown, Crown Affair? Affair. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that painting is called apparently uh, the Son of Man. It's a famous painting from 1964, and the artist is Rene Magritte. Oh, sadly, um, it's not Boy with Apple. It's not Boy with Apple. I Listen, I am not an art historian. I don't know much about art. That is, of course, a famous painting that everyone should know. And yes, Temple Fugit's manner and the way he behaves, I think it's reminiscent on purpose of that painting. I think so. Um, anyway, um, they are fighting. Uh, meanwhile, what's what's cool is that when you're writing a script uh, to a movie, uh, a TV show, something an editor will say to you sometimes is, hey, you should put this on a clock. Right, which means there's a bomb that's going to explode or an asteroid that's going to hit Earth, meaning the characters have to act urgently, which makes your script more exciting. What if we give it a cold? <laughs> well, actually, that one's a good example, too. Yeah. Independence Day is on a huge clock because they're going to yeah. blow up all the cities in the world or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So in this one, we're literally on a clock. Like physically on a clock. This sounds like this sounds like <laughs> they went to the writers. The production, the producers went to the writers and go like, "Yo, put this on a clock." And they're like, "You want a like, clock? Oh, you want a fucking yeah, clock? Yeah, Get yeah. Temple Fugit." That's that's like um, I heard on another podcast. Um, I think I, it might have been an episode of Blank Check, but it could have been something else. This is something that. Uh, Writers always like to get back at people if they can. Oh yes. Um and uh and when the actors or production staff are being awful on like a sitcom, <laughs> yeah. they do an episode in winter and the power goes out and the heat doesn't work. So all the characters on set have to be wearing like big heavy coats. I love it. And sets are and so sweat. hot. Yeah. That they're in on set in these giant heavy coats and they sweat, sweat, sweat. So this, I feel like the writers are like, "Oh, you want a clock? Yeah, we're putting it on. I, whole, I like it on a clock. I like that. I like it a lot." Um, so yes, the characters are on physically a clock, and then of course we're on a clock because Mayor Hill could be crushed any moment. Oh no. Um, yeah. So we get a fight between Batman and Fugit. Fugit reveals he's like kind of watched or studied Batman's moves. This was part of our IMDb trivia because Bane does the same thing Bane. later. And Fugit reveals that he knows that it takes Batman a 20th of a a second to throw a punch. And we see Fugit's actually basically able to dodge that, which is good. Um, And then Batman just kind of improvises. It only takes me a 30th of a second to do this. Which is, he throws a bad kick on purpose. Yeah. So that Fugit can thrust his blade. And he thrusts it into the big gear of the clock, which basically ruins the giant clock. Yep. All the gear work shudder. Mayor Hill is not crushed, but this fucking clock tower falls apart in a hurry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole clock breaks. I mean, totally unrealistically, the whole clock just comes apart. Yeah, just tons of structural damage, millions of dollars wasted. Everyone uh, dies. Right. Um, so Fugit is running away from Batman at this point, but Batman doesn't want him to do that. Not just because he'll get away, because he'll probably die. Yeah. Uh, but Fugit seems very confident that he'll be okay. He jumps onto like the last big gear before a huge gear falls and crushes him and just, you know, uh, we see the gears fall and we assume he's dead. It does not look survivable. No. 
Um, and actually, we again see the, the compassionate Batman. He calls out, Fugit, no! Not because he hates him for getting away, but because he thinks, oh my God, I fucking killed, killed this, this man guy, by yeah. accident, you know? Um, Batman barely saves Mayor Hill. Barely. He like uses the grappling cable to like get out there and swings for Hill just as Hill's about to fall, but he does save him. Um, we get in the closing scene of the episode. It's probably a few hours later. It might finally just be evening now. I think the way this episode wants us to bookend things, it's probably this is the evening, whereas the, the, it started with the morning. Yeah. So this is all one day. It's probably still yeah. daytime. The storm has subsided at this point. I should mention, throughout the whole previous scene, thunder and lightning. Yeah. Right, which yeah. Was, was really cool. Knock on um, wood. What's that? Nothing. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> um, so, at this point, the cops have swarmed the scene. Gordon is there again. Mayor Hill's recovering. Gordon mentions he'll probably put his re-election campaign on hold for a little while. Uh, they're debating over whether or not Fugit could have survived the clock tower collapse um, and whether or not he will return. And Batman thinks it's pretty likely. In fact, he says it's only a matter of time. Oh! Yes. Nice job, Batman. Um, yeah. Fun. Good episode. Uh, it's a good episode. What are your closing thoughts here? I think it's good. I think it's a good episode. I think I think it's a it's it's the whole episode is a giant stretch. Sure. It's a giant stretch, but it's an entertaining fun watch. None of the motivations make sense. None of the logic makes sense. Things don't work properly, but in the end, it's a lot of fun. It's the second best clocking episode. Of two. Of two. Right. Yeah. Kinda, I totally kind of like uh how um Kind of like how Burying the Ricardos has the second best usage of Cuban Pete in a film. <laughs> Nothing beats the mask. Nothing beats the mask. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I would still put this in the top half of the series. Yeah. Because uh, I, I just, I don't know why I like Clock King a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's because I like Riddler. I don't know. He's He is Riddler. If Riddler was themed to time and Riddler light. <laughs> He's yeah. like a very specialized worse Riddler. Specialized worse Riddler. Yeah. I'm sure he would be happy to hear that. No, definitely. I mean, he's an efficiency expert. He is. Um, it's a good episode. Yes. It's a good episode. I would put it in the top half. Yeah, I don't too. think I would put it much higher than that. No. And if you really look at the structure of the episode, like it works, but it's a little bland. Yeah. It's almost like... I mean, it's sad to say because we're kind of diminishing the episode by saying this. Watching this episode made me realize how much more I like the second Clock King episode. And I, I look forward to seeing that. But actually, we're a long way from getting to see that one again. Very, very long. And also, at the same time, it's kind of like when you watch um, Nothing to Fear. Yes. And you're like, oh, yeah, Scarecrow. And then you're like, oh, wait. Yeah, yeah, There yeah. are multiple better episodes sure, of Scarecrow. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So, yeah. But at least with Scarecrow, like, you see him a lot. Oh, Clock yeah, yeah, yeah. you get just twice, just and that's twice. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's just a two-timers club, yeah. like uh, Red Claw. Yeah. Technically, Red Claw is three-timers, because she's in a two-parter to start. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm done. I'm sorry. Okay, no more Red Claw. No, no more Red Claw. No more Red Claw. I think it's time to wrap this one Let's up. Let's wrap it's it. It's time to wrap this we one up. We need to put this hey, episode on a clock. It's closing time. We're gonna end the episode because there's nothing more to say about Clock King. That's pretty good. Yeah, it didn't that's scan, good. but that's okay. Good, good improv. All right, uh, folks, that's it. Uh, so next time, Mike, you're gonna be taking on Appointment in Crime Alley. Yeah, it's also got a time theme to it a it little bit. It does, and there's like bombs yeah, and shit in yeah, that episode yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time, time here. flies, let me tell you. Time flies. Thank you for joining us. This was the Batman Tasticast for Mike Staub. I'm Jordan Hugh. Thank you and see you next time. Ooh. Same bat time. time. Same bat channel. Hey, 
And thank you for listening to the Batman Tasticast. If you want to support the show, please find us on social media at Batman Tasticast across the board. You can also give us a subscribe, give us a like, leave a comment, or you can reach out to Jordan and I directly via social media with your questions and maybe some little bit of trivia that we can find out there. We're still doing a lot of episodes and we got a long way to go. So thank you for being with us and we'll catch you next time.